You know, we're in week five, um, and kind of as we've been going through this message, you know, we've been looking at different passages and seeing Jesus' pursuit of many that people would call leftovers, outcasts, or like misfits. And, you know, each week we've seen how Jesus has really gone out of his way. He's gone out of his way to reach others. And this week, it's interesting, as I was writing this message, I found this quote from Bob Goff. And it says, Jesus spent his whole life engaging the people most of us have spent our whole lives trying to avoid. Think about that. Jesus spent his whole life engaging the people most of us have spent our whole lives trying to avoid. And that's kind of what we've been talking about as we've been going through this series, The Leftovers. And today's going to be a little different. Instead of just seeing one leftover in the story, we're actually going to see three leftovers in the story. And we're going to see how each one of them react differently, kind of in the same circumstances. So if you have your Bible, I encourage you to open it up to Luke chapter 23. We're going to be in verses 32 through 43. And reminder, if you don't have a Bible, there is one in the back of the pew in front of you. Also, the scripture should be up on the screen um, also. And if you're watching online, it should be online. And if not, grab a Bible. <laughs> so with that being said, let's go ahead and read God's word. It says, two other criminals were also led away to be executed with him. When they arrived at the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. The people stood watching and even the leaders were scoffing. He saved others. Let him save himself. If this is God's Messiah, the chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. An inscription was above him. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him. Don't you even fear God? since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Heavenly Father, as we dig into your word today, Lord, the scripture is familiar to many. But Lord, may you open up our eyes so that we may see something new, see something refreshing in your word that we can take out and use throughout this week. And Lord, may my words glorify you as we make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. So I said it's interesting we get three leftovers this week. And you're probably thinking, well, pastor, I see the two criminals on the cross, but who's the third leftover? Well, the third leftover is ironically Jesus. Jesus is a leftover in this story. Jesus becomes a leftover. You understand, he's being accused of being, being a king. He's accused of being a, a threat to the Roman authorities. And yet, you know, justice is turned upside down and he's mocked. He's mocked, he's scorned, he's ridiculed by the same people he came to receive. 
He came to tell the Jews of the good news. The Messiah was coming. And they left him out. He became an outcast. The last thing they wanted to do was to have Jesus be their Messiah. So they basically left him out. The Jewish leaders rejected Jesus. They rejected him. They crucified him. And through his dying on that cross, he was actually able to save them. Which is kind of crazy. You know, everyone had this twisted understanding of, of what was happening. And yet in the midst of all this, everyone ridiculing him. Jesus being on that cross to die for the sins of those who were actually killing him. One man, a criminal, a leftover, suddenly gets incredible clarity. He gets an incredible clarity. And in spite of everything going on around him, that, by the way, he took part in. Life comes out of death, knowledge comes out of ignorance, and light comes through the gospel into this man's heart. A leftover. You know, and the story, I think, contains way more than what the eyes can actually see because you got to understand, this is a personal story. This is your story. This is my story because this is how every sinner meets Jesus. Every one of us meets Jesus the same way. And it's my prayer that today as we look at this word, the word that if you have any doubts, if you have any doubts, if today was your last day of you being here on earth, where you would be. And a lot of us in this room probably say, well, I know where I'm going to be. Do you really? Do you really know where you're going to be? Or have you just gone through the motions for too long in your life? So it's something that I think we can all learn from and see in here, and hopefully we can get some clarity from it. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Are you right with God? Are you really right with God? And if you are, how do you know? How do you get to that place where you know that you're right with God? Now, a lot of us are going to say, well, I know, and I'm right with God, and that's perfectly fine. But by the end of this message, you might question it. Are you really right with God? Because are you really doing what he calls you to do? And I think the first thing we do is we need to acknowledge your need. You need to acknowledge the need that we have for a Savior. We need to acknowledge, acknowledge the need that we have for Jesus. You know, and as we look at this crucifixion account, there's two criminals next to him. Two criminals, two leftovers. Each on one side, and verse 39 tells us they were verbally abused. One of them was verbally abusing Jesus, according to verse 39. However, if you look at the... Uh, gospel of Matthew and the gospel of Mark, you'll actually find out that both of the criminals were actually abusing Jesus. They were both hurling insults at him, both mocking him along with the crowd. Now we don't see it in Luke. So this guy was basically doing the same thing. Both of them were up there mocking Jesus for who he says he was. And even though they're enduring this suffering, this physical pain in their life, they're, they're enduring this excruciating agony of being on the cross. They found time to hurl insults at Jesus. You ever notice when you got a lot of pain in your life, how you can generally muster up ways to insult or throw insults at somebody or at something? You know, and here the same thing. We see two criminals going through the same pain Jesus is going through, but they're able to throw insults at Jesus. And then all of a sudden, Luke tells us that one of the two criminals becomes a little silent. 
And as the hours passed on the cross, that one man, that, that leftover, suddenly experiences a revelation from the Spirit of God. All of a sudden, he realizes while his body is in the most imaginable kind of agony, it becomes crystal clear who Jesus really is and his need for who he is. And at that moment, he turns, you know, and, and just turns to Jesus and he rebukes the other criminal and says to him, we're punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. In other words, he suddenly becomes very aware of who God is and that fear of God. Because he says, do you even fear God since you were undergoing the same punishment? He experiences the fear of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And even as, Luke, uh, even as Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, fear him who after the killing of the body has power to throw you into hell. You know, and what's interesting about these two criminals hanging on the cross with Jesus is both of them are guilty. Both of them are guilty of crimes. Just like you and I. All of us are guilty of sins. While guilty of sins and, and while we're, they're going through the same suffering and everything with Jesus on the cross, only one of them gets it. Only one of them gets who Jesus is. And, you know, we see the same thing today. Out there in the world today, you get people who hear the same message. They got the same access to God's word. They've got the same access where Christians will come and speak to them and tell them who Jesus is. They get all of this information, and you got those who will still reject Jesus. They'll still reject you for what you're asking, but some of them will come and realize that they need Jesus. Some of them will come to realize it, and others just are like a glazed donut from Jupiter Donuts. They're just glazed over. They've got no fear of God before their eyes. I'm sorry, I want some Jupiter Donuts. Uh, <laughs> you know, but you understand, they're, they're no different. They're no different than we are today. They're, you know, people just putting in the time, looking at their clock, doing their job, just doing whatever it takes, because they're not worried about the end. They really don't care. They don't feel a need for Jesus. And it's getting bigger and bigger in the world today, the culture today. People don't need, or they feel they don't need, Jesus. They don't need religion. They don't need the Messiah. And it's very unfortunate that people have that need there today. So, you know, the question I have is, do you see your need? Do you really see your need for a Messiah? And do you acknowledge your need? Do you really acknowledge your need for a Messiah? Because all of us have sinned and all of us fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. You know, we're all sinned. None of us are exempt. We've all been there. So I think the first thing we need to acknowledge our need. And, and as Christ followers, most of us have already, hey, we've acknowledged our need. We know we need Jesus. But the second thing I think so we need to do is, do you recognize Jesus? Do you really recognize him? Do you recognize who Jesus is and who Jesus was? See, this criminal in his mind shifts from an assessment of his situation to an assessment of who Jesus is and who Jesus was. Now, now, we don't know how much he knew about Jesus. We do know Jesus had been in his ministry for about three years. He'd been out there healing people. 
He'd been raising the dead. He'd been casting out demons, giving sight to the blind, giving hearing to the deaf. But then suddenly this criminal, this criminal is giving clarity on who Jesus is. And he understands who's hanging on that cross. Now he's hanging on that cross as a sinner. He deserves everything he's getting at that time. But he realizes with clarity that Jesus does not. And now this repentant criminal speaking to the other criminal says, this man has done nothing wrong. And you know, you think about it, every reputable historian, whether they're religious or not, will admit that Jesus Christ was a real person who walked on this earth. And I think we need to acknowledge that same fact. Jesus really was on this earth. He really was incarnate. He really was a man. And understand, it's not who your mother says he is. It's not who your father says he was. It's not who your friends say he is. It's not even... It's not even who maybe your Sunday school teacher taught you it was. The question is, who do you say that Jesus Christ is? And who is Jesus Christ in your life? Is he really the Messiah, the Son of God? And do you really treat him that way each and every day? You know, and it's a question I think we've, we've seen it answered in the Bible time and time again. You know, even in Matthew chapter 16, um, Jesus asks, who do the people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, and others the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter responded, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So if Jesus was here today and he asked you that question, who do you say I am? What would you say? Would you be as obedient as Peter and say who he was? Or would you give that glossed over, glazed over version of Jesus that I think a lot of American Christians have? Is he really who you say he is? Even when Jesus was baptized at the Jordan and he came out out of the water, the eyewitnesses said a voice came from heaven that said, this is my son who I Love with whom I am well pleased. Even when Pilate was looking at the charges against him, Pilate's own wife tells him, don't have anything to do with this innocent man. She got it. She knew who he was. When Pilate handed Jesus over to the Jews so he could be crucified, ultimately given, you know, condemning Jesus to death, he said, I found no basis for a charge against this man. Jesus was an innocent man going to the cross. Even Judas, even Judas, our buddy Judas, Jesus washed his feet and he still betrayed him. When Judas realized he betrayed who Jesus really was, he says, I have betrayed innocent blood. Even Judas realized who Jesus was. Scripture has so much more to identify with Jesus. And I actually like the way Paul summarizes it in Philippians 2 verses six through eight. He says, Jesus who believed in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death to the cross. You see, God's word testifies. 
He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He was nailed to a cross. He had a crown of thorns on his head. He was numbered by his transgressors. And his enemies insulted him, hurled insults at him. And through all of that, Jesus looked up to his father and said, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's my Jesus. That's the Jesus I try and follow each day. That's the Jesus I try and be like more and more each day. But God, I fail. I fail at that each and every day. To be able to say, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they do. I'm kind of like, hey, an eye for an eye. Tooth for a tooth. Is Jesus really, do you recognize who Jesus really is? Do you recognize who he is? And will you acknowledge your need for that Savior? Do you recognize who Jesus really is? And have you received his grace? Have you received his grace? Have you received the grace that this criminal on the cross experienced? Think about it. Have you? Have you experienced the grace of the criminal on the cross? Now, a lot of you may say, well, that was a criminal on the cross. I don't know if I experienced that grace. He was a sinner just like us. God's word says, for we have all sinned, we all fall short of the glory of God. So all of us are right there with that sinner on the cross. And understand that within the space of a few hours, he has come to an understanding of his own sinfulness. He realized who he was, his own unworthiness, and how much he needed Christ. How much he needed him for who he was. And he calls out to Jesus in verse, verse 42, knowing that Jesus is going to die on that cross, knowing what's going to go on. He's, he knows he's going to die. He knows he's going to rise again. He's going to come in his kingdom. And he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. You see, he knows he's not worthy. He knows he's not worthy of it. He knows it would be nothing but grace. And he asks Jesus for his mercy. And Jesus replies with that grace-filled words, the most grace-filled I think ever spoken to a man. And understand this, this man couldn't do anything right. He wasn't going to get baptized. He definitely wasn't going to come to church. He wasn't going to be a church member. Probably would never sing in the choir because he was going to die on that cross. He was going to die that very day on the cross. And Jesus replies, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me. Today. Understand there's no waiting place, there's no transitional place. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There's no in-between. And that's even why the Apostle Paul says, I desire to depart and be with Christ. Jesus told the criminal, you will be with me. You will be with me today because heaven's not a place that we go to see Jesus. Heaven is a place where we'll be with him and we'll be with him forever. We'll be with him forever. So what's it take to get to heaven? What's it take? Do you acknowledge your need for a savior? That your sin has separated you from God? Do you acknowledge that? Do you recognize who Jesus really is? And third, have you received his grace? 
You see, you and I are one of those two criminals. We're one of those two criminals hanging on that cross. We're either going to fall to defeat Jesus or we're going to cast insults to him to the end. Are we going to ask for his grace? Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. No one has ever been saved by works. Living proof right here, the man on the cross, he could do no works whatsoever. What got him into heaven was God's grace, was the grace of Jesus Christ, only by grace. So this passage, I think it actually tells two different stories for two different audiences. I think for those of people who aren't Christians and believe that maybe you've just gone too far, there's no way I'm going to get into heaven. I think it, there's no way I can get this forgiveness. I think it kind of gives you that hope because of a thief on a cross who did nothing at all but ask for the mercy of Jesus, got into heaven, there's still hope for you. There's still hope for everyone out there. Now, for those of us who do follow Christ, I, I believe this story should challenge us because I think some of you may be sitting here saying, well, pastor, I do all of this. Well, maybe it should challenge you this way. Do you minister to people in every situation? Do you minister to people in every situation? Think about this. Jesus takes a moment in the midst of his death, hanging on a cross to minister to somebody. And we won't go next door and talk to our neighbor. We won't go across the street and talk to somebody. We won't see someone sleeping outside the church and minister to them. Jesus was dying on the cross and took the time to minister to this, to this man. And most Christians don't want their lives interrupted. We don't want to be interrupted. We've got a schedule to keep. We, we, we're on a mission. We don't know what mission we're on. We're supposed to be on a mission for God, but we're on a mission someplace. All throughout the Gospels, you see it. Jesus is constantly gets his schedule rearranged because of people, because of other people who are in need. In John 4, think about it. He's relaxing by the well, and a woman comes out to the well and interrupts him. There's times in Matthew 14 where he's trying to get rest and a crowd of people show up when he's trying to get rest. Jesus never once turned his back on anybody. He ministered to people wherever they were at. So do you really recognize Jesus? And are you really doing what Jesus calls you to do? If he can give up his time, why can't we give up our time to minister to others? You know, as you see today, he's on the cross. He is literally on the cross and he takes time to make sure that the thief is going to join him in paradise. Make sure he took that time. Do you take that time? Very beginning, I've read, read a quote from Bob Goff. And it says this, Jesus spent his whole life engaging the people most of us have spent our whole lives trying to avoid. Jesus spent his whole life engaging the people most of us have spent our entire lives trying to avoid. Why do we keep trying to avoid him? We need to move. 
We need to go out and be Jesus with skin on. We need to recognize who Jesus is, accept his grace and give his grace to others. And you know, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, well, pastor, that's good. But I don't know Jesus. So the question today is how are you going to respond? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, are you going to respond and make him your personal Lord and Savior today? And even if you're online and you say, hey, I need Jesus, go to the comment section. There's a place down below where you can click and send us a link that you accepted Jesus today because you can lock it down today. But then the other question is, are you going to be like Jesus? And are you going to let your schedule be interrupted so that someone can be in paradise with you today? Will you take the time to go out of your way for a leftover in your life? Or will you just pass them by and ignore them? Jesus never did. Jesus didn't ignore any of them. Jesus took the time with every single person to be able to minister to them. Jesus never did. Jesus didn't ignore any of them. Echo, echo, echo. Whatever it is you have to do. Maybe you just need to come up here today and say, you know, Lord, I haven't been ministering to those around me. I've been letting my own agenda get in the way. And a lot of times I believe that's what we do as Christians, as Christ followers, especially when we've been following Christ for a long time. We're like, Pastor, I know all of that. <clears throat> well, I know you know it, but do you do it? There's a difference between knowing and doing. There is a difference between knowing and doing. We avoid people left and right that Jesus would go out of his way for. How about we start going out of our way for people just like Jesus did? And maybe you need to come up here and say, Lord, that's me. I'm the sinner on the cross who didn't accept your grace because I would not minister to the person next to me. Jesus, that's me. Change my schedule so that my schedule is your timing and not mine. Maybe it's, you know, I've been playing Christian for a long time and I really need to rededicate my life. <laughs> I didn't recognize who Jesus really was. I don't know what it is. Each of you do. I've seen heads shake. I've seen heads drop to the ground. And it's interesting, like I said, this is something we've all heard. Every one of us know the story of the thief on the cross. But do you minister to the thief on the cross like Jesus each and every day? Each one of us has a leftover in our lives. Throughout this entire week, we've talked about people that we have left out. Remember, leftovers aren't out there because they did it to themselves. They're out there because we're the ones who left them out. We're the ones who cast them out of our lives. It's time to pull them back in. It's time to go to them leftovers and show that love, grace, and mercy that Jesus gave to us. Because we didn't deserve it. We're the criminals on the cross. We're hanging there because of our own sins that we deserve. But he gave us grace. He gave us love and he gave us mercy. May we do the same. 
Heavenly Father, I come to you today just to say thank you. Lord, I thank you for who you are and what you do. And Lord, uh, I just ask that you be with this congregation. If there's someone here today, Lord, who, who needs to recommit their life to you or needs to accept you as their personal Lord and Savior, Lord, I ask that they make that move. Or maybe just come up here to the altar and realize that they haven't recognized you for who you are. And that they don't recognize the leftovers in their life because our own agenda gets caught up instead of yours. Lord, I just ask that then people will make a move. And I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.